Hello, everyone. I'm Holly Pennebaker, and you're listening to a new episode of HCI's Nine to Thrive HR. This podcast features experts and practitioners in the field of HR and brings their knowledge of the most pressing issues facing talent management straight to you. We talk about current industry problems, but most importantly, solutions you can use in your own organization. When it comes to talent acquisition, today's top candidates know that having the right talent in the right roles can be transformative for your organization. If companies want the best talent, they should employ a customer-centric approach to talent acquisition that emphasizes effective candidate management and clear alignment with business goals. For example, skill surveys, cloud-based technologies help you make better hiring decisions faster and experience a more efficient and effective recruiting process with their online reference checking and talent sourcing solutions. Here to share some expertise on the topic is Mike Guglielmo, Assistant Professor of HR at Temple University. So Mike, I know you've got quite the history, so why don't you tell us a little bit about where you've been and what you're up to now? Hello, everyone. Mike Guglielmo here. Uh, I am uh, on a non-tenure track position as Assistant Professor of Human Resources at Temple University. I've been an adjunct there for um, over 30 years. Uh, recently, in the last two years, became uh, full-time. And before that, uh, or during that uh, 30-year period, 35 years, uh, actually, uh, I've been in uh, various industries from chemicals to manufacturing, um, uh, service delivery, uh, publishing, financial services, and healthcare in a variety of positions from accounting to finance to IT and HR, and as, as well as operations. So I've, I've seen quite a bit um, around uh, data, uh, as well as uh, ran uh, recruiting for two major organizations, um, uh, one in financial services, the Vanguard Group, uh, for a number of years, and then Genesis Healthcare in the healthcare space um, within the last 10 years. So um, uh, anxious to uh, provide some information to our listeners on this podcast, and um um, hopefully my background will add some color to, uh, to what I have to say. I'm sure it will, Mike. We're lucky to have you today. And so let's just start out with a broad question on what is big data in recruiting? Well, uh, that's, uh, I guess, a, a question that many people ask in many different aspects uh, of life, let alone the business world. Uh, in recruiting, um, it, it is uh, data that I think many people may associate with large databases. Um, um, uh, quite a number of folks are, are looking uh, to, uh, to LinkedIn uh, for information, uh, and there's lots of data there that can be found. Um, what what I, I really prefer to say is um, that many folks that believe that they understand big data um, think that they can just data mine information in these huge, vast databases. Um, and it's much more than that. You, you can't just data mine your way to a great candidate. You really need to understand alignment to your business, um, data aggregation, which I know we'll talk about um, in, uh, in a few moments, um, discovery of the data, data visualization, and then insights into the data. You want the best data that is going to provide the most informative 
uh, information back to you if you're in a recruiting department and that you could then turn over to your customers, most times uh, your business customers, to say, here are your best candidates and here's why. Um, that entire process sounds relatively simple, and it's not. And then there's lots of hidden pockets of data that I think are being missed uh, that are part of that big data conglomerate uh, that I think would be beneficial for uh, our audience to hear a little bit about as well. And so it sounds like using these big databases is not exactly a one-size-fits-all and that it really comes down to finding the data that's most relevant to you. And then that helps you specifically find the best candidates depending on who your company is and what it does. So I'm sure that has also come with a lot of change. So Mike, in the past 20 years, how have you seen things change when it comes to being able to collect and handle data when it comes to recruiting? Well, as a, a bit of a dinosaur myself, uh, I, I worked in uh, several jobs that uh, required that we did things with paper and pencil and uh, 11 by 17 columnar paper. Uh, was lucky enough to um, be part of the first PC being introduced into um, an HR group. Um, it, it sort of transformed me uh, in that I was going for my master's degree um, at Temple University in the evening and um, was a finance major when I started. And this meeting of data and PC and technology with jobs um, got me very, very interested in the application of technology to HR. So from there, it went to databases and spreadsheets and then to client server applications and applicant tracking systems that have been used for many, many years. Probably some are still being used where the company is housing the hardware and the software locally as opposed to cloud-based services. And then there's add-on programs that have come along, um, one of which has been Skill Survey. More recently, um, you know, I became aware of them um, I was asked to be a reference for someone, had never seen or heard of Skill Survey before, um, did the reference, and at the very end it said, would you like to be contacted for a job? And I said, wow, that is a terrific way to capture information from a passive candidate pool, the boss or the uh, peer of the applicant. And as soon as I wound up in my last role in corporate America uh, in recruiting and healthcare. Uh, we reached out to Skill Survey and started to use it right away, um, and that was a, a terrific way to find um, new candidates, many times at a managerial level, who weren't actively looking for jobs. So all these little touch points along the way, um, data that you get from assessments, from screening, from sourcing, uh, search engine optimization, and uh, all the data that's that's out there. Um, I guess the biggest opportunity for companies is to figure out which ones help. You have to figure out what your company strategy is. And if you're in a downsizing mode, it's probably not something that you're going to spend a lot of time on if the data is all about getting people in. However, if you're in a growth mode, something like that probably will align to your company strategy. And you want to capture all the data elements you can and then put them together in a way that you could try to make sense of them. And if you're lucky enough, and this is for more advanced 
users. Many of the data scientists do some of this work. There are ways to look at connections and correlations and predictions based on all that data you have to help you make better decisions moving forward, like how do you retain people? What's the warning signs that we should look for uh, of people who are at risk of leaving? Um, if our best performers have these things in their background, how do we target that based on the way that we're recruiting right now? Just to name a few instances of that. But it certainly has changed. Um, and the cloud and making this information available on a relatively uh, quick and cheap basis. Um, I remember uh, back when um, uh, in, when I first started in uh, uh, in corporate, we had um, mainframes and mid mid range computers, and um, data storage was so expensive that you had to have codes for everything. You couldn't write out the full name of something. Uh, that's why you may see codes for certain things in legacy systems today. And um, so the ability to, to basically make it, make it into a commodity and then to get at it and analyze it using tools that have been around forever, uh, like regression analysis and uh, structured equation modeling, things like that, really help you take the data once it's aligned to your company strategy and figure out, can I do something with this and make better decisions? All right. Sounds great, Mike. And so it sounds like technology has been a big factor in helping us get better when it comes to data. I think maybe we would want to address the source of that data. Could you tell folks, you know, where is the best place to find the most helpful data? Well, m most companies I would expect uh, would utilize their applicant tracking system. Since we're talking about recruiting, um, their applicant tracking system is usually the best source of, of uh, your initial data set. Um, it is, should link into uh, your advertising sources, and when candidates come in uh, to your system, you should be capturing as much information as you possibly can, and not just the sources uh, of where they're coming in, uh, but also how they found out about you. We used to have this challenge all the time. Did you find them through you know, a particular uh, ad that you placed on the web, or did they find you through word of mouth? Why not capture both and figure out if there's any correlation between those and if that gives you more insight into where you ought to spend your advertising dollars? Um, and then uh, there's data around screening, which you ought to uh, be able to automate. You're going to probably hear a lot more about that in the next few years, about uh, automation in HR. I know a number of recruiters are uh, a little terrified of losing their jobs, and I don't see the relationship side of their jobs going away, but I think a lot of the transactional and monotonous work that has been done can be automated with excellence. And with each piece of automation, it makes it easier to capture data. So information that uh, a person may have captured and logged, potentially, sometimes they didn't, uh, through a screening process, you can capture and figure out if there's some knowledge and insight that you can gain from that information. Uh, then during interviews, I'm guessing that many people um, do a five-point scale on the uh, appropriateness of the candidate for the job. Um, maybe a seven-point scale, doesn't really matter. Uh, but whatever it is, 
there, there's a way that you ought to be capturing that information. So once again, you can go back and take a look at if there are any insights into who's made it into the final rounds. Um, and are you wasting your time on that if they don't ultimately succeed in the job? Um, there's also a heck of a lot of information if you use an assessment tool uh, that many times looks at um, uh, the cognitive ability of the candidate, the behavioral traits of the candidate, the job fit of the candidate, uh, and all of that can be captured. Uh, then there's uh, references, like for skill survey. Um, as I mentioned, passive candidates can be captured so that you're getting uh, an additional candidate pool, but also we were able to capture information on individuals through the reference checking function of skill survey that allowed us to take a much better look at whether we wanted to hire someone or not. Uh, I can tell you after being in the business world for 35 years, HR for 25, recruiting for 20, um, the number of people that we actually ever declined based on a phone reference was very, very small, almost negligible. Uh, what we were able to capture through automation and through a system like Skill Survey allowed us to take a much uh, more cautious approach to who we were going to hire, and it really improved uh, our ability to cut down on 90-day turnover, one-year turnover, and, and even, I would say, two-year turnover because we were able to find better fits for what we were looking for. And then uh, there are uh, also... Um, other information that you get after people are onboarded, uh, how well uh, they think that the recruiting process went, how well the manager thought the recruiting process uh, went, both at the, let's say, the 30-day, 60-day time period, and get that feedback as well as six months. Um, in a prior role, we used to ask both the hiring manager and the candidate, if you had a choice to take this job all over again, this is six months later, obviously, would you still do it? And uh, we had great scores, but every once in a while it would dip down and we'd have to try to figure out what are we doing differently or not so well that we need to adjust. And um, likewise, we would ask the hiring manager, if you had a chance to hire this person all over again, six months later, would you do it? And, um, you know, again, we would scrutinize that data to make sure that we were really getting the um, best candidates in and did our process go as well as it could. Ultimately, you want to make sure that the people that are coming in are staying, are productive, uh, bring back a reward and, and, a, and a return uh, on the investment that we're making in them and the recruiting process to bring them in. And most importantly, um, if all of that is not improving customer and financial outcomes, then you really need to take an even closer look at your data to figure out what you can do differently, because there's nothing that we should we would be doing um, that doesn't address that in that type of uh, of outcome, customer and financial outcomes. Uh, it's got to be aligned to that, or else um, you're really uh, just going through activities as opposed to uh, aligned outcomes for the business. All right. Thanks for all of that information, Mike. And I bet when it comes to this data and how there is just so much out there, it can be really overwhelming to people. I know myself when it comes to looking for different things or finding answers, I might not always know where to start. So with there being just a tremendous amount of data available, how do you know what to pick and choose from to help with your decision making? 
Um, that's a great question. And um, I'm going to uh, borrow a term that's being used and probably overused right now. Um, uh, there's a process called Agile. And uh, there's, you know, Dr. Peter Capelli talks about Agile HR. And um, it, it's an approach that I've taken in creating dashboards for most of the roles that I've been in. If I have limited data, uh, there's data that I want to start to track, and we haven't yet. Uh, we may have um, uh, disparate uh, data sets somewhere tracked in a spreadsheet, in an access database, in um, a SQL database, and, and none of these things are connected back to the company's human resource information system um, uh, and or the applicant tracking system. But I'm less worried about the absolute aggregation of that data um, as I am the ability of someone in HR or a metrics group um, to get at that data, report it on a regular basis, and again, make sure that it's aligned with the outcomes that you want. If you're not worried about retention, then you sh really, why are you tracking retention data? If you have, uh, you know, people lined up at the door uh, or the virtual door, uh, as it would be, uh, like Google does with, uh, I don't know, they've, they have a, a bullpen, if you will, of people that are dying to get into the company. So it's, they don't really have to advertise as much. Uh, and build an employment brand that's already pretty well known. So in that case, why would you track your branding efforts and your sourcing efforts? So knowing what your business strategy is, what your human capital needs are, drives a lot of what you're going to track. Get what you can, track what you can, measure it well, make sure that it's valid and reliable uh, in your measurement techniques. And if it is, we just started to display it on a dashboard and through an iterative process with our business partners said, hey, this is what we think that we need to show to address your needs, business partner. Tell us where we're off. Tell us what you think we want us to dive into, that we need to segment even more. And they would do that very readily once they had a, a data visualization or a, um, you know, some type of dashboard that they could uh, put their eyeballs to and say, yeah, I, I don't think I really need this, but go ahead and track it anyway. Or, hey, you forgot about this. Can you add this in? And that's when we would go back and try to figure out if we could get the data, number one, and if we could, to start to track it on a regular basis. Um, but there's a lot of data visualization tools out there um, that put all this together. Some are free, some are expensive, uh, and that helps in the ability to communicate this information out to the field. But, hey, I've used the spreadsheet in Excel uh, and built uh, along with a small team that I had in both um, of my last two organizations, Vanguard and Genesis, um, to basically uh, capture the data in separate uh, tabs in a spreadsheet and display it out. Um, to, in some cases, we built little access databases to make the uh, the display capability easier. But in many cases, we just you know gave it a stoplight uh, indicator. We're red in this one, and we need to do better. Here's the initiative that we're going to kick off to make uh, our numbers turn around. Uh, yellow, it's cautionary. Uh, green, we're good. We're on target. And we would typically measure against um, our goal for the year uh, and keep that on an ongoing basis. 
uh, to make sure that people could visualize where we were against those goals, and also to give some historical context. Usually, the just the year before the same time period, like you know March year to date this year and last year, or, or June year to date this year and last year, uh, and sometimes we would go two years back, but. Um, it's, it just starts somewhere. Um, I, I've given this advice to anyone that I've counseled on this. Start somewhere. Work with your business partners to make sure that you're, you're tracking what they need, and you certainly can track what you need to get your job done, but you want to make sure your business partners um, are in agreement with what you're tracking, and it helps them uh, with, with uh, achieving their business results. And then once you have accomplished to some level of gain for your department and your business partners, you can start uh, to take a look if you need to bring somebody in from the outside uh, to do some of the real analysis where you can do regression and um, uh, structured equation modeling to figure out whether there really is correlation or causation between different variables. That's where you really can say, yep, this actually does cause this, uh, and here's your percentage of um, uh, of certainty that it's actually uh, uh, in alignment and, and, and correlated. That's a little more complicated. In some cases, it's a lot more complicated, but it's still beneficial to start somewhere and get the data aggregated and put onto a one-page dashboard that you can communicate to both your team and your customers. All right. Awesome, Mike. I think a big important point that you made there was that you have to start somewhere. And I think that could be the hardest part for a lot of people. Um, I also think about um, the goods and the bads. You know, you've mentioned a few of these already, but maybe we could just provide a simple list for folks to walk away with. What would you say are the benefits and limitations of big data in recruiting? What all have you seen? So the benefit is um, with, with very, very simple tools, and I've been using the what I would say is the simplest visually correlating tool that does a, uh, um, a cross-tab matrix, um, Microsoft's Pivot Tables. Uh, they've come a long way, but I've used them since 1993 when they were first really made available and people became aware, in my mind, I mean, they may have been around before that, but that's when um, it really struck me that, wow, I can do these associations between different variables really simply. And with Excel now taking a million lines of data, uh, the limitation before used to be um, 64,000 uh, data records, uh, and, and it's always had the capability to reach out to different databases. Um, and uh, literally, as far back as 1993, we were connecting pivot tables to SQL data and, and crunching millions. Uh, in, in one case, I think it was 16 million um, records that we, we put together and did analysis based on that. So minimally get yourself um, familiarized with uh, Microsoft Excel's pivot tables. There are additional things like Power Pivots, and there's Microsoft Business Intelligence or Microsoft BI uh, that lets you visualize it easier. But the tools are so simple now, um, and you can really create meaningful charts and, um, and data uh, tables for your clients that uh, as long as you're, you, you know that the data is clean and reliable, um, that's one of the best things that you can use as a tool. Um, the, the insights that you get from it, again, 
uh, it's worthless if it's not going to improve customer or financial outcomes. Ultimately, you've got to draw some type of alignment all the way up to customer and financial outcomes. Uh, Professor uh, Dick Beatty uh, talks about that often in a lot of his writings. Um, he's one of the co-authors of the Differentiated Workforce, and he, he talks about this all the time um, in, in um, uh, looking at engagement data. You can survey people on just about anything, but if it doesn't align to customer and financial outcomes, you have to ask yourself the question, why? Um, so, you know, there's, there's lots of tools, lots of benefit of being able to communicate these insights, however small they are, to your uh, business partners. And then the downside is it takes a lot of time sometimes to get all this information together to ensure that it's reliable because ultimately if it's not being captured by a machine or technology, then you always have the chance that there's user error. Um, and even sometimes the way that technology set up, it may be capturing information that is um, skewing your data. So you need to be really, really careful about what you're going to report and one piece of advice that I give to, to folks listening is if uh, the numbers don't look right, if there's something that just seems off, your instincts are probably right, dive into that information and go look more carefully. Um, I can't even begin to tell you how much embarrassment I've been through and how much I've avoided by looking at data or not looking at data as carefully as I should have because I was under a time crunch. But then saying, hey, I'm not going to have this report ready. I need to look at it because something doesn't seem right. And finding, yes, ultimately, uh, there was something wrong with the underlying data. So, um, you know, there, there, there's a time commitment. There's, um, I, I think, people uh, that are afraid of data or of um, the analytics around it. I teach a HR metrics class for undergrad and graduate students. And... Um, you know, there's very little statistics in it. There could be in probably a, a part two of the class, but really what I'm trying to tell people is that the data, the human capital data we're capturing from recruiting to engagement to retention to culture, whatever it is, you need to make sure the data is reliable. You need to make sure that it's aligned up through the company's operations, its customer loyalty components, as well as its financial outcomes. And then you want to make sure that you communicate it on a regular basis and you've got buy-in both from the people on your team and the business partners that you serve. Um, so it's not always about, you know, understanding statistics. It's, uh, it's just as much about understanding where the data exists, how to put it together, how to aggregate it smartly, and then how to display it. Data visualization, I would say, is as much uh, an important part of big data uh, and decision-making as, you know, correlation analysis, uh, for, you know, for lack of a better example. All right, great information there, Mike. Thank you so much. Great points. And so let's go ahead and give people a little something more to take away today and come full circle a bit. What would you say are the top three technologies that you think people need today? All right. These are going to be in no particular order, um, but artificial intelligence and office automation wave is not going to stop. And um uh, someone told me, I, I honestly don't know if what I'm going to say is actually true, but the person that told me uh, was convincing enough, so I'll, I'll, I'll take him at his word, uh, that back in the late 70s, when 
the uh, ATM was first introduced, there was much written about the death of the bank teller. We were going to need bank tellers any longer. Uh, and this individual told me that there are more bank tellers now, today, in 2018, than there were in the, le- in the late 70s because they changed what the people are responsible for. There's much more customer service. There's much more um, salesmanship and you know, um, um, selling of loans and, and other financial instruments. So it's a good lesson for us to take a look at. But you know, for the recruiters and the recruiting assistants and the sourcers and the uh, recruiting coordinators who uh, are worried about their jobs, start thinking about what else you can do uh, because there are many things that can be automated, like screening questions. You don't have to have a person ask someone screening questions. You can have your applicant tracking system or an adjunct system ask those same questions, gather the data, figure out you know, if that person is going to make it to the next level or not, and have legitimate cutoffs and, and um, um, uh, levels that uh, the, the person would have to achieve in order to make it to the next round of interviewing. But um, the, the real benefit of having a person interact with the individual is um, as part of the, um, uh, the candidate experience. Well, if you really think about it, that the, everyone that comes in is a potential purchaser of your service or goods. So why would you want to upset them? So you want to have interactions, even if it's an automated interaction. Hey, thank you so much for, um, you know, your interest in our company. Um, You know, uh, we're still looking at applicants. We'll let you know, or, you know, um, your qualifications didn't meet, blah, blah, blah. You get the idea. But uh, to not send anything back is is, uh, reprehensible and doesn't improve your employee brand. So, those areas, the employee experience, how you're going to how you're going to utilize artificial intelligence and office automation to make that part of the experience better, so that you can have the human component work on the experience and tell people why they want to work for the company when you get down to the you know your final few candidates. Um, the need for analytics around uh, that data we've talked about already today. I don't want to belabor any longer, but Understanding where your candidates came from, and uh, you know, at the more data we gathered with our branding and advertising partner that I used in healthcare, I was able to figure out which products and websites and other ways of uh, gathering uh, candidates and ultimately applicants for our jobs, which ones gave us the best return, and. Um, we were able to change our spending habits with some of those partners to spend more on the ones, obviously, that were giving us a better return and more candidates and more hires and ultimately hires that not only came on board and stayed but were promoted so that we utilize very, very basic information, nothing overly sophisticated when it came uh, to analytics, but we were able to look at, hey, this is the way we want to spend our money and continue to bring in great candidates that are, in fact, enhancing uh, the, the productivity and the return uh, of our, uh, our, our HR practices um, and, and ultimately for our company. Um, and, uh, and then I guess the, the last thing is um, whatever you're using, and I've touched on this already, but I, I, I think it's worthwhile to reiterate. Um, it really, your systems really should be 
candidate-friendly and candidate-experience-friendly because those that are, are forcing candidates to go through your system, whether it's in a, uh, a kiosk, in a store, or, you know, you have to use your PC. Hey, let's face it, people, you know, almost everyone has a phone or a tablet, and they want to use that system that they do for so many things in their lives um, to even apply for a job. And they want it to be simple. Um, you know, the old rule used to be more than three clicks, people are probably going to not continue the transaction. So focusing on what the ultimate candidates want and getting technology that helps support that experience is probably going to pay off big in getting the uh, the right number of people to come through, a diverse and inclusive group of people that are going to come through, especially generationally, and then that folks that are going to complete the transaction, not just look at your job posting, but also you know fill out an application and hopefully ultimately get hired. So there are a couple of the things um, you know I can't say enough about uh, my experience with. Skill survey and the ability to do reference checks in an automated fashion. It's simple, it's quick, it's easy, and it really takes away a lot of the monotonous and mundane and repetitive tasks that we as recruiters used to do. And so um, I hope that's helpful. And uh, there are just a couple of the areas I think would benefit our listenership with um, uh, from a technology and more of an experience standpoint than actual tools, but the experience um, uh, from a branding experience and uh, and a candidate experience, I think is is absolutely paramount. And your customer experience from um, you know your business partners that you're uh, trying to um, get this information together for, so that they can make better decisions and have better people uh, and candidates and hires um, inhabit their open positions. All right, Mike, we'll let that talk on technologies take us to the end of today's episode. And so we'll thank you one more time for spending some time with us. Well, thank you very much. It's been my pleasure and I hope to be able to do it again sometime soon. All right, everyone, don't forget that you can discover new talent and assess your candidates' soft skills with the only solution proven to reduce first-year turnover. For more information, visit www.skillsurvey.com. And be sure to subscribe to this podcast if you enjoyed your time with us. You can find HCI on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and on the YouTube channel, HCI Talent. If you're listening on iTunes, please give us a rating. Your rating helps other professionals and talent-minded people discover the program. For 9 to Thrive HR and all of us here at HCI, we appreciate you for tuning in.